Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Our 72-page Christmas double issue is out. Highlights include Kate Bruce on prepping Christmas sermons, Callie Hammond on the darker side of the incarnation and the lighter side of cancer. John Pritchard, who was on last week's podcast, writes about what the incarnation means now. And Lucy Winkett writes about a service for people who find Christmas difficult. All this and much more. Our back page interview is with the actor and playwright Justin Butcher. His new book, Walking to Jerusalem, is published by Hodder. It tells the story of a pilgrimage from London to Jerusalem in 2017, which marked three major anniversaries. The centenary of the Balfour Declaration, the 50th year of Israel's military occupation of the Palestinian territories, and the 10th year of the blockade of Gaza. Justin came into our offices to talk more about the book for our podcast. There's still time to treat friends or family to a Christmas gift subscription. For just £85, 30% off the cover price, they'll get the paper delivered to them every week next year and receive one of three great books. Go to churchtimes.co.uk slash Christmas. The offer ends on the 31st of December. We wish all our readers and podcast listeners a happy and blessed Christmas. Could I just ask first how this walk came about? There was, I think, a, a significant meeting in... 2014 in a village near Bethlehem. That's right. Yeah, um, I was I was uh, on a trip uh, to uh, the West Bank with uh, the Amos Trust in 2014. Amos Trust is a small human rights charity based in London, which supports projects all over the world in Nicaragua, South Africa, Tanzania, India, and Palestine. And in Palestine. They support a number of um, human rights and creative projects in the West Bank and a hospital uh, in uh, Gaza City, the Al-Ali Hospital, and also um, a, a kind of women's employment opportunity scheme in Gaza run by the Near East Council of Churches. So there's a great spread of activities. And I was there as a group of artists, part of a group of artists performing at the Bethlehem Live Festival in 2014, which is organized by Holy Land Trust, a, a Christian Palestinian peacemaking organization in Bethlehem, run by the amazing visionary Sami Awad. And... Um, and at this time, it, it was extremely unfortunate for the planners of this festival because it coincided with the disappearance, kidnapping of three settler teenagers um, uh, near Hebron. Um, uh, these were Israeli settlers uh, um, uh, from the uh, who set out to hitchhike from the um, Gush Etzion settlement near Hebron to their homes in central Israel, uh, and and then disappeared. Um, and for a, a period of time, there was a, a huge um, sort of police operation, if you like, by the Israeli military up and down the West Bank, looking for these disappeared uh, teenagers. Um, and so through the course of that week that we were there for the festival, we were going out and seeing firsthand the impact of a huge spate of collective punishment being handed out by the Israeli military, house demolitions, refugee camps being invaded and tear gassed, um, mass arrests, uh, hundreds of people wounded, live ammunition fired on crowds, some people killed. So by the end of that week that we were there, I think five Palestinian children had been shot dead uh, in the all in the supposedly the, 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 the search, you know, for these missing teenagers. We visited a family uh, whose house had been demolished two days before, and it was a very heart-rending, profound experience. We, we came up to this, this farm outside Achada, 
and it was a desperate sight, two huge piles of rubble, bristling iron rods and, and, and lintels smashed and domestic utensils and toys strewn everywhere, and the family pulling chairs out of the rubble to seat us in, in the shade of a large fig tree. Um, and there's quite a large group of us uh, from the festival coming out to visit them, and they, they insisted that we all sit down. They wouldn't allow any of us to stand. Ali Salim Musa, the farmer, uh, welcomed us, kissing us on both cheeks, and, and, and said, you know, welcome, welcome in my land. We Palestinians um, receive every kind of suffering from, from this occupation. Um, every home in Palestine you'll find suffering. Someone martyred, someone killed, someone arrested, houses demolished. No family is, is exempt. And we receive all this suffering because, because we do one big mistake, he said. We stay in our land. And at the end of his story, he told us his, the story of his family, of the encroachment of the nearby settlement on on his land and of the demolition. This was the fourth time the house had been demolished. But he said, even if they drive over me with a tank, I will not be moved. I have to make my cemetery here. I will never be moved. He looked at his grandchildren. He said, what kind of mistake have these children made against Israel, going to school in the morning and coming home to find their house demolished? We asked the military commander, what wrong have we done? He said, this is against the security of Israel. And he said, please, please, we request the nations of the world to make some kind of action, to do something, to stop this humiliation and this cruelty against us. So that whole episode, if I, if I had to point to one you know, incitement, as it were. I think that probably was it, where returning to the UK after that trip um, with this deep, disturbed feeling of, of well, dis-ease, is unease and, and sadness and anger um, about this, about how the story isn't told in the West, how when it is told, it's told in a very, very slanted and, and often just totally politicised way mm. and that the human dimension doesn't come through. It, it, it sort of set me thinking, what could we do? What could I do as an artist, as a writer, as a producer, someone who has a voice of some sort anyway in, in a public sphere, uh, to carry forward this story and the Palestinian story? As the year 2017 approached, we had a sort of perfect storm mm. of, of uh, Palestinian anniversaries brewing. Yes, yeah, so it's the Balfour Declaration. That's right. 100 years. Yes, the centenary of the Balfour Declaration, the 50th anniversary of the beginning of the occupation, and the 10th year of the blockade of Gaza. And just say, so you told this family, we'll use our voices to tell your story. We did. That was a that's, promise you made. That's right. It was a, a very clear sense of a promise made in the ruins of the home in Al-Khada, where we said to Ali Salim and his family, our hearts are broken for you. Uh, we, we know that your voice is silenced, and we promise to use our voices to tell your story. When this, this sort of three-fold anniversary approached of, in 2017, or, or I was starting to get the creative juices flowing and thinking, what could we do? Uh, me, as a, as a freelance writer, artist, Amos Trust as a creative human rights organisation, what could we do by way of a sort of symbolic action, a creative stunt, uh, a, meaningful, a meaningful response to 
this perfect storm of anniversaries. The Balfour Declaration was the letter uh, written by Arthur James Balfour, the British Foreign Secretary, in 1917 to Lord Rothschild, one of the representatives of the British Zionist movement, in which Balfour said on behalf of the British government, His Majesty's government views with favour the establishment in Palestine uh, of a national homeland for the Jewish people and will use its best endeavours to uh, secure the achievement of this object or something. Uh, It being clearly understood that nothing should be done to prejudice the existing um, civil and religious rights of the existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine. So 90% of the population, that is the Palestinians, were relegated to the status of non-Jews in Palestine uh, and were accorded civil and religious rights, but not political rights. Mm. At this stage, of course, Britain was not the governing power in Palestine. We were fighting the Turkish Ottoman Empire for possession of Palestine. I think there were four battles of Gaza before we broke through their defences. And uh, we were negotiating the carve-up of uh, Middle Eastern Ottoman territories with France. Uh, so there was a great game in, in, in play here for British and French influence in the Middle East. Uh, and our imperial strategy, our colonial priority, was to safeguard our control of the Suez Canal. And so the idea of creating a friendly, pliable buffer state next to Egypt that would help us to do that was certainly a factor in the British support for the Zionist movement. That was the Balfour Declaration. That is what Palestinians point to as the primary betrayal. Um, I mean, the the, the Hungarian Jewish writer Arthur Kersler famously said in 1949, it was one of the most improbable documents of all time, one of the most improbable political documents of all time, uh, in which one nation solemnly promised a second the country of a third. An interesting experience narrated in the book where um, the mother of a very dear friend of mine from Gaza, Ahmed Massoud, his mother had managed to get a travel visa um, over to the UK in 2011. Uh, This was um, when the Morsi government was in power in Egypt and the border between uh, Gaza and Egypt was was open uh, for a short while. Um, and so I had this extraordinary... I mean, a woman I never thought I would ever meet, uh, Fatima uh, Masood, sitting at my kitchen table in London um, and, and chatting and meeting my wife and kids and so on. And, uh, and I asked her at one point, through Ahmed, who translated, I said, how do you cope, <laughs> just on a day-to-day level, with the anger that you must feel against the Israelis, for the blockade, for the occupation, for the loss of your, your homes in 48, all of these. And, and she sort of <laughs> grinned and kind of pointed at me and said, well, the, if you want to know, the anger goes further back to you mm. and your Balfour Declaration of 1917. Mm. And, I, and I said to Ahmed, do, you know, do a lot of Palestinians... St- still think about that and he said yes every Palestinian he said if you go to Gaza one day as a Brit walking along the streets you know the kids will be shouting pointing at you Balfour Balfour for for most people it's ancient history now forgotten history Uh, for for us it's a present reality we're living with the consequences of that a hundred years later of course in 2017 
um, Theresa May says we're going to celebrate the centenary with pride. Yes. Many politicians here thought this was something to celebrate. Um, yes. And there's a sense in the book that you, uh, particularly as a Brit, feel uh, uh, you fundamentally disagree with it as a source. You don't see it as a source of pride at all. Was the walk to some extent an act of, I don't know, contrition on behalf of your nation or, or yeah. seeking atonement for what you saw as the sins of yeah. your ancestors? It was, it was a, 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 a huge betrayal. It was an act of colonial hubris, imperial imperial hubris, riding roughshod over the rights of the indigenous people while talking the talk about freedom and democracy and development and all the rest of it. Balfour himself, in a memorandum to Lord Curzon, said, in Palestine we do not even propose to go through the form of consulting the indigenous inhabitants. We are committed to Zionism, and Zionism, be it right or wrong, is of far greater import and significance than the prejudices and desires of a few hundred thousand Arabs who currently inhabit that territory. That was the real politic mm. of the British cabinet at, the, at that time. Deeply racist, mm. imperialist. And Zionism was a, a, a kind of white European colonial project to ensure mm. our you know, post-war control of the Ottoman territories. And the Palestinians have been suffering a, a hundred years of dispossession, injustice. You know, they are, uh, they are the forgotten people of this, of this whole calamity. And so, yes... A huge, the, the, the central sort of symbolic thrust, I suppose, of, of the walk was was a, an act of penance. But also a prophetic act or a... You talk about bringing hope, I think, in the book. Yeah. You hoped. Yeah. I mean, did you... I mean, some people might say, is that a sort of aspiration but not realised? Do you feel that you did bring genuine hope? It seems the Palestinians you meet on the way, or sorry, we meet when you get there, yes. and the people you meet on the way... Yes. Um, it does seem to bring them hope. I think so. I mean, it a, was, a sense of being remembered. Yes, I think. Forgotten. I think that it's difficult to describe with sufficient sort of uh, uh, intensity the 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 reaction of Palestinians in the West Bank when we arrived. I mean, from every village to uh, school to refugee camp to city hall that we visited, we were treated like superstars. We were embraced and cheered and applauded. And at that time, when Theresa May had made her statement in Parliament that we will be celebrating the Balfour centenary with pride, Britain is proud of its role in creating the State of Israel. And this was heard and commented on and deeply felt, her, her remarks, by every Palestinian that we met in the West Bank. You know, being in a Bedouin tent in the South Hebron Hills with a 70-year-old Bedouin farmer shouting in Arabic, why is Theresa May celebrating? Why is she proud? Why is she celebrating our suffering? And so the fact that we had walked, a hundred of us, you know, uh, a, a journey spanning 3,400 kilometres over 147 days, five months, across 11 countries, to be with them a uh, hundred years on and to say, we are sorry for, for, for the Balfour Declaration, for the century of suffering and dispossession and injustice which is visited on you. And we have walked here to express our sorrow. We're talking here about, I suppose, the power of symbolism and, 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 and empathy. Yeah. Um, and, and what we wanted to do, fundamentally, I suppose that was the inspiration, was to, was to do something that would m be meaningful to Palestinians, that would be a, a, healing, um, a healing act when they feel that their story is forgotten and ignored mm. by, by most of the world. 
uh, and that everyone else's triumph is celebrated and, and they can be deprived of their homes and shoved in refugee camps and ignored and denied their rights for decade after decade after decade and blamed for being terrorists and everything, everything that they are subjected to, that we did this thing to honour them, to honour their story and their history and their, their dignity, uh, was, I, I, can't, I can't overstate how, how, how meaningful it was. Mm. But we also said, yes, we're walking in solidarity. We're walking in solidarity with Palestinians whose right of return is denied. So it was like an, an enactment of a massive enactment of freedom of movement, this incredible experience for us of walking across borders, basically unimpeded, you know, all, all across Europe, uh, with total sort of freedom and, and enacting a, a huge yeah, symbolic freedom of movement. Um, is that why walking was important yes. rather than just, I don't know, flying there yes. and saying, we stand with you? It's something about having come on foot and suffered to some extent as yes. you did. I mean, you detail the, you know, <laughs> your feet giving in and the, just and all the little deprivations on the way. And, the, yeah. you know, it's tough, isn't it? Yes, blisters. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot in the book about foot doctoring now yeah, you know yeah. blisters and yeah. and and, the diff- and and needing more coffee desperately that's and right to sleep share rooms and sharing rooms people uh, snoring yeah. you know uh, yes sleeping on floors chafing parts of the anatomy um, <laughs> do, you, do you think to some extent pilgrimage has become too personal and you talk i think about people visiting the holy sites and having these you know religious experiences mm. about being where christ was but mm. ignoring the presence sufferings and, and the politics of the area mm. do you think pilgrimage needs to become more of a you know act of solidarity and a prophetic act i think it does i, th- I mean i think i think it's it's Im- I, it's impossible to separate in my mind you know i remember this conversation once along the way with jude who's a lovely doctor retired doctor from perth in western australia and she said at one point like i know we're doing this for the palestinians but i'm also doing it for me you know, yeah. and it was this sort of thing about well, why are you walking? Is it for the cause or is it for yourself? You know, and uh, and actually, the kind of feeling that I came through to over the months <laughs> was that it doesn't matter whether you go for yourself or whether you go for the cause, because if you if you first of all set out imagining that you're walking really for yourself. What you do, in fact, in the, in the case of our walk, ended up having tremendous significance to other people. Equally, if you set out primarily with the cause in mind, what you discovered along the way was how much you were nourished and, and, and sort of uh, fulfilled by the experience yourself. Uh, you set out to give and you ended up receiving. You set out to receive and you ended up giving. So actually, in a sense, it doesn't matter. But yes, I mean, it is a theme in the book uh, that I touch on, this idea of a a sort of biblical theme park, airbrushed kind of biblical theme park that that parts of Israel and and Palestine have become. It's astonishing that, that millions of tourists every year seem to be able to visit uh, the holy sites and swoon over, you know, all these sort of pseudo kind of sites from the third or fourth centuries, you know, or later, and have their little holy moment mm. and have their eyes completely shut to the reality of the occupation all around them. Mm. Um, um, Nidal Abu Zuluf of the YMCA in East Jerusalem put it really well when he said, um, look, sure, he said, if you want to come and visit the dead stones, 
fine, do it, you know. But actually, we prefer if you come and visit the Living Stones, the people, the, the, the Christian people of the Holy Land, yeah. which is us, Palestinians, Arab Christians, indigenous Christians. Did you know Christianity was an Eastern religion mm -hmm. that started in the, in the yeah. you know, in the East? And the condition that the, the, the indigenous church is mm -hmm. actually suffering under here. I mean, again, my, my deepest experiences of the divine in the Holy Land uh, have come about through my encounters with astonishing people on both sides of the divide, Israelis and Palestinians, uh, striving creatively and, and courageously for, for peace and justice uh, in, the, in the teeth of the occupation and refusing to give up uh, on hope and refusing to give up on, on cherishing their belief in love and forgiveness and healing and, 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 and transformation. Hope is, I mean, Rowan, Rowan Williams put it brilliantly by saying hope is by its nature something projected into the dark. So as a, as a theological virtue, if you like, hope is not what we see. It's not something who hopes for what they can see. You know, it, 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 it is a will. It's an act of will continuing to project um, uh, 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 the way of love, I suppose, um, into into a future which looks darker and darker. This past year, I said this in the epilogue, you know, a year on since returning, the blisters have gone, but hope also seems to have disappeared from the horizon. You know, from the opening of the uh, Trump administration opening its embassy in Jerusalem to Israel's government passing its Jewish nation-state law uh, to the... Um, withdrawal of American funding from, from UNRWA, the UN body which uh, organizes uh, provision for the millions of Palestinian refugees since 1948, to the massacre of unarmed civilians uh, on the Gaza border, assembling in the Great March of Return. This year has been an annus horribilis for the Palestinian people. And so hope becomes less and less about what you can see, and more and more about a conviction or a, 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 a determination projected uh, into a, 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 a dark future. Mm. What do you think needs to be done to realise that hope? I mean, you hear some voices having less and less faith in a two-state solution. I mean, I'm always, I always feel I should make the caveat that I'm a Brit and, and we have a long history mm. of interference in this region so it's it's actually not for us to say what should be done it's for palestinians and israelis to work out what what they want the eventual solution to look like i think equal rights has to be the name of the game that's the only game in town you want my opinion the two-state solution is dead that's the opinion of everyone on the ground there you've got nearly a million settlers uh, living in the West Bank. The Palestinian territories divided up into Bantustans, dribs and drabs of territory divided up by walls, checkpoints, settlements, settler-only roads. Most of the water, more than 80% of the water in the aquifers of the West Bank, stolen, uh, diverted into Israeli settlements or into Israel proper. Uh, Gaza devastated after 11 years now of, of, of blockade. Uh, fast, I mean, more, more or less unlivable. 95% of the water undrinkable, 80% dependent on food aid, M more than, I think, 30% of children now suffering from acute anemia, a uh, vast open-air prison camp. So what kind of state are we talking about, you know, uh, that, that, we, we, that, that one's going to bestow upon the Palestinians? It, 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 this is my opinion, you know, uh, 
and 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 the opinion of every sensible person I meet on the ground. It's right. it's what would it what would it entail to to create a Palestinian state? The 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 dismantling of all the settlements in the West Bank, the withdrawal of the settlers, the destruction, the the dismantling of the illegal wall, uh, you know, the withdrawal to the the 1967 borders, the Green Line, as they call it, it's difficult to imagine that happening. What a lot of Palestinians are talking about now is forget all this talk about statehood, and let's just talk about equal rights. There's a kind of concept or a movement called giving back the keys, which is this, I mean, you know Palestinian families famously hold, many, most families hold the key of the houses that they fled or were driven from in 1948 houses which in the most part don't exist anymore, from the 500 villages that were destroyed in the cleansing of ethnic cleansing of Palestine in the Nakba, the catastrophe of 1948. The giving back the keys concept is the idea uh, which is being articulated increasingly uh, amongst uh, Palestinians of, of saying, you know, going to Israel, saying, we don't want our own state, thank you very much. we just like to be equal citizens of your state. Let's have a democracy. <laughs> which ironically, you know, one can imagine might be the only thing that would actually bring the Israelis back to the table because they, they, this concept of a, a majority Jewish state uh, would, would, would disappear. You know, if, if from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea you gave equal rights to everyone that lives in that, that land, um, the Arab inhabitants or the non-Jewish inhabitants would, would outnumber uh, the Jewish and so you wouldn't have a majority Jewish state anymore. I mean, this begs the question, what is a democratic state which is also, um, has to be a majority Jewish state? How do you square that circle? That's another whole question, you know. Yeah. But I don't think there's any shortage of solutions. The, 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 the thing which is in very short supply is political will. And that's what, where this book and actions like the projects which Amos Trust supports and many of the other wonderful campaigning human rights organisations that work, often under the radar in yeah. the West Bank and Gaza. That's where we come in. Uh, and I hope that the book can contribute a small droplet to that sort of swell tide of, of, of sharing the Palestinian story, painting portraits of some of the most remarkable, beautiful and inspiring people uh, that I've met uh, and work with in the West Bank, uh, and and inspiring a bit of love and a bit of empathy uh, in in the hearts of re readers, um, uh, you know, in this country, in the West, we're all fundamentally human beings are the same and fundamentally want the same things: to 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 live in peace, to raise our kids in peace, to 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 have a good life, to enjoy building a home and and, and 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 our work and our play and so on and i think when any anyone people who don't understand the situation on on the ground uh, in, in palestine come to hear the human stories and engage on a human level with the reality of the suffering of the occupation then people's minds are changed their hearts are changed and and so that is where, where, as a creative practitioner, as a, as a writer, a producer, whatever, I perhaps have a role to play, is to be a, a storyteller uh, carrying some of the, 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 the reality of, 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 of life, not just the suffering, but the sort of beauty and creativity of, 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 of the Palestinian mm -hmm. story as well, to, to uh, an audience in Britain and in, in the West. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.